Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 26, Episode 8 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Pooja. And I'm Tappy. And uh, the 50 billionth annual Renaissance Pleasure Fair uh, is going to start in a month, and uh, we start building tomorrow. Yay! Hi. Yes. <laughs> there, there's like, what, two or three more of my games, and then I will disappear from GMing for two months. Mm-hmm. So. And then if you come out and see your shadow... You then it's <laughs> go fair goes in. for two more. All right. In this episode, uh, Axel writes in about systems you can't you can't get to work. Mister CJ or MRCJ uh, sends us an email about music and campaign inspiration, specifically about my comments about Rush. Uh, and Davio sends us a horror story. <clears throat> but first, if you'd like to email us, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a forum, happyjacksforum.com, and we're on the social medias. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe, happyjacksrpg, all one word. That's happyjacksrpg, all one word. If you'd like to watch the show live, you can watch it on Friday nights at 7.14 p.m. Pacific Time, which will soon be Pacific Standard Time starting next week uh, at happyjacks.org slash live. And Pacific non-standard time. Pacific is, non-standard uh, time. I wish they'd just leave it at daylight savings. And Kimmy's Kickstarter ended, and she mm-hmm. was like 500% or something like that of, of her intended goal. So congratulations for that. Yay! And I'm sure she would like to thank everyone. I'm sure she already has, but I'm sure she'd like to thank everyone who backed it. Um, systems you can't get to work from Axel. Dear Happy Jack's crew, the tabletop RPG world has seen many new great systems in the past few years, and many of the quote-unquote big names have undergone substantial and often successful revisions. In our group, we liked trying new systems, especially those that seemed to be well-liked and successful. Some of these we discovered through your APs, so thanks for sharing your experiences. However, the one system we could not make work is fate. Oh, we're going to get a lot of emails about this next week. <laughs> um, uh, the rules just wouldn't go away. This is this gets back to the uh, the, the great crunch debate of mm-hmm. 2011, maybe. I only remember <clears throat> like a good fifth of that. <laughs> That's a lot to remember about I was, a debate from nine years ago. No, no, no. I, uh, I was I was very drunk. We, that was when we had a three-hour show, and we would consume an enormous amount of beer during the course of the show. It, it was a, a significant debate, though. It was. <laughs> it was yelly. <laughs> um, the rules just wouldn't go away. We couldn't get into the flow and, quote-unquote, cre- the create advantage and succeed at a cost mechanics felt cumbersome, and constantly having to come up with functioning aspects was wearing us down. This felt strange since we have been able to have fun with practically all systems we've tried. We have tried 20 we all have 25 plus years of tabletop RPG experience and we're as much a fan of crunchy systems as we are of simple mechanic hippie games. Uh, Fate is the only exception. Uh, we've given it a try, it just won't work for us. 
Do any of you have similar experiences, a supposedly quote-unquote good game system that just didn't work for you? Any ideas why? Uh, keep up the good show, and please finally find and get rid of that one dodgy microphone that makes the person using using it sound so squeaky. I believe that microphone is gone. Fingers I believe. Crossed. If If it isn't, let me know. But I think we got rid of it. I think we took this it out email, back and this, shot it. This email is months old. So, <laughs> Axel from the UK. Um, I have opinions. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I've had the exactly same experience with fate. I mean, the great c- crunch debate started, as I recall, when I said, "Well, I think fate is a very crunchy game." Right. And you, fate is a game that you can be good at playing. Like you get practice in making aspects or what aspects are useful aspects and like Pathfinder or, or DD 3.5 mm-hmm. people get really good at taking the different parts and synthesizing a new thing that you can right, right. and and so like coming up with stuff on the fly it's I think if you get really into fate it can be fun but I had the exactly the same experience like I was constantly thinking about the mechanics and not role playing Right. Um, I've noticed that too. I, I've not played Fate Pure, but I've played a Fate-ish system, and I found myself staring at my character sheet a lot, trying to figure out what to do. I do that a lot with er, systems I'm unfamiliar with, anyway. Mm-hmm. But that one in particular, it's like, what can I? Which, 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 which one of my aspects is going to be applicable now? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <clears throat> I, I I would say, in Fate's defense, the rules might become a little more. Or, or a, li- a little less in your face the longer you played it, right? I would think that's probably what... like most games. Yeah. you tend to like as you get more and more comfortable, and things stop being like a oh crap, what do I do now? Right. Versus a like that's when a flow really works. Mm-hmm. But there are some systems that are just like there is that hurdle is too big. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I a lot of people don't like GURPS. I played GURPS f- since, God, 1984, 1985, mm-hmm. all the way through the, the mid-90s. <clears throat> we got to the point where all of us at the table, it was basically the same group of people for that whole time playing various campaigns, we got to the point where we all knew the rules cold, and we didn't have to stop and look in a book, because mm-hmm. we just all knew them. So I mean, and that got to the point where we were having a blast, and other people were like, "Oh, there's too many rules." But I mean, yeah, it's just a, it's like what the barrier is to entry. It's kind of the barrier to fun. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it is that if there's so much stuff that you have to look up, like if there's not a baseline, and that goes in some ways, it just goes back to crunchiness, I think. But but I think a system can be crunchy and intuitive. And yes. if your if your system is both crunchy and non-intuitive, or whatever the fuck the uh, opposite of intuitive is, excuse my language, uh, uh, obtuse? No, it wouldn't be obtuse. I don't know. I, well, I th- I think lots of older systems definitely are like that, where they're just crunchy. And why are we even doing this? Like uh, uh, Traveler, like Ultra, probably I think like Second Edition Traveler had a diagram for your sailboat on where you could point into the wind. <laughs> like what the fuck? This is a spaceship game, <laughs> and you please. have a you have a sailboat diagram. <laughs> like, please no, please no. <laughs> no, 
there's Twilight 2000 where <coughs> I believe uh, it's been a while since I played Twilight 2000, but uh, we put that away almost immediately when we had to use the square root button to figure out grenade deviation. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. We're not doing that one. If I have to break out my TI-82, yeah. the answer is no. So, I mean, a lot of the old systems, like, there was this kind of, like, march towards an attempt at reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, one of the, the big turnarounds is when we started getting, like, the um, the... Uh, dice pool uh, type mechanics mm-hmm. when we start getting like uh, vampire etc. <coughs> and the vampire is like, eh, we're magic vampires that do magic, crazy magic vampire things. And five dice is, you know, you can do a handstand and juggle five knives with your toes. That's a dexterity five. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of like went with numbers and just uh, went for it as opposed to, oh my gosh, there's a. Uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2020, that's another one mm-hmm. where it really got in its own way with like mechanics that don't work. Um, and then they created an entirely new uh, book only for like gun combat, where it was almost like uh, the, the thing where it was like Fatal's like the <coughs> most like um, accurate whatever. Right. This was supposed to be the most accurate way based on real combat statistics. To do oh actual yeah. combat, and it was like, oh yep. guys, guys, you have like seventy pages here. If I wanted for... to do actual combat, <laughs> I would have taken up that offer to join the armed forces. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, older systems. If yeah. you just try and legacy systems, you go, wow. Now I really see why we have all these new ways of of doing things. I think one what, what the one now he's asking specifically about other systems that we've had similar problems with, but I I think one of the things that especially gamers who've been gaming for a long time and are used to the older games and fate I mean fate is based on fudge which has been around for god since the 90s I think mm-hmm. maybe it's been around for a long time. But it was kind of that attempt to make a game that Gamified language, almost. You know what I right. mean. You know, and I don't. I don't think they quite hit the mark with it. But it's the, that whole idea where the mechanics will will magically sort of disappear, and you're just sitting around the table telling the story within the constraints of the system. When once everyone has that kind of wrapped wrapped around their head, mm-hmm. but it's it's a big departure for people who are used to regular traditional RPGs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Right. And and to me that that. <clears throat> it's it, it rely it relies on narrative a lot to create aspects and things like that. It also requires <clears throat> all the players to create narrative for those aspects and right. stuff. And and it like when you're in like you're at a like a dinner party or something and you're like ha 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 I want to create an aspect. All right, what aspect are you going to do? Um uh hmm I don't know, it's a dinner party aspect. <laughs> like, I want to kind of do this sort of thing, but I don't know the words for it. And it's it's just really easy to get stopped up right. into that. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are a lot of games that have tried to do that gamifying narrative, uh, like using words as your system. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one that they tried for uh, uh, Neverwhere. It was a very small system, but it was like, you come up with these adjectives for yourself. If those adjectives apply, you get a plus one to your roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have like three adjectives apply, you get plus three to your roll. Go. Uh, it's cool, but it also like... 
that's real easy for a munchkin to game that too. And it's also really easy for you to get left out in the cold accidentally. Oh yeah, I can see that. Right, yeah. where you're like, oh, I'll make my character, and then it's like nothing fucking applies. Yeah, that's where like uh, you're you have to lean heavily into like the GM creating ser- scenarios that work for everyone at the table, right. and like it's real easy to overlook a character that seems really interesting on paper, but doesn't necessarily jive with what everybody else has put down. And then that happens two or three times, and suddenly you've got one person who's just not playing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard for a GM to know the 48 adjectives that his four players are are using. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's... I, I can again like I, I can appreciate it, but exactly like you said, it's it's real easy for one person to just get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you, does anyone have a system they've tried that, that just is like no, this is not working? I want to say like there was a game we didn't get very far into it, hence the, why the name is just. I think it was Scion. Mm. Is that a white? Yeah, that a white wolf? that's a white wolf game. Yeah, it was like old old white wolf where you're all like psychics and there's like. Alien beast? No, superpower. They're like I thought it was su- like the it was like another pantheon based like gods. So maybe it wasn't. Science. Oh no! Oh yes, crazy. yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, like, I was thinking of something else. We my gaming group bounced hard off of that one mm-hmm. really early on, but that's where it comes into like we just couldn't get through <coughs> sessions without spending fifty percent of them referencing something in the book that would then send you to another page in that paragraph. And that would reference something else. It was like this, like fucking onion of, of like back and forth cross indexing. Right. And it's like you shouldn't have to cross index in your no in your RPG manual, like ever. But if so, like very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Where if you're like cool, every single class has at least like multiple abilities that force you to cross index. Multiple times? Nope. Nope. We noped out. Yeah. It was just like, I can't remember. Like, it was like holding, like, a choose-your-own-adventure book <coughs> mm-hmm. when you wanted to remember the last place that you were, except, like, you needed to remember three times ago. <laughs> oh, and you can't use your finger to, like, hold it. Like, you kind of can <laughs> if you, like, do this weird claw thing. I had a whole system <laughs> down. <laughs> I also ended up doing a thing where I was like, man, I never get, like, the ending I want. So after I had gone through the book a few times, I would find the ending I wanted and then find the choices that would reference that page <laughs> and I would go through the adventure backwards. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm just saying index is something as I understand. <laughs> I have a history of it. <laughs> um, one system for me that really didn't work was the new L5R. Oh, yeah. I didn't know at all. Well, I, I never played the... the the full-blown version of it, but the beta... And part of that was because of the fact that there was an errata sheet, and you didn't, couldn't really trust what you were reading, that it was the, the actual rules. But, I mean, there's so many things in it that were just, like, very much not what you would expect from L5R. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, I had, I had a similar problem with uh, the new Star Wars yeah. games, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars games. Which is also the same problem as fate, where you just have to come up with bullshit. Like the systems say, make something up right now. Right. It's, yeah, it's like okay, it's like, well, oh, you you failed, but you got a triumph. So your your failure resulted in something great happening to you. 
okay, well, it was a perception roll. Uh, you, find, <laughs> you found a dollar? I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so a twenty dollar bill flies down from the sky. <laughs> oh, look! Oh, there's my car keys. <laughs> but I mean, that putting that kind of, especially when it's mandatory, it's like. Now, the, the nice thing about the FFG Star Wars is there was always the default. Someone gets some good thing happens as a result of their role. You can just throw one of those light blue dice, and that goes to whoever's next in the initiative order. So the next person who's going to roll just gets like a little tiny bonus to it, which I ended up using a lot. Mm-hmm. But th- there's there, there's things about that game that seemed really cool, and I really wanted to like it. But I mean, once you start getting into the weeds of like equipment modifications, and and it just starts to become very cumbersome. And very fiddly, and it's like, are we playing a role playing game or are we playing resource management simulation? Because mm-hmm. at some point, it, start, it turns into that, at least for me. And of course, D and D above like eighth level for me, at least, combat is becomes too cumbersome and too long. So I mean, I'll mm-hmm. play. I, I don't mind running D and D, but I would not want to run it like tenth level or higher. Like yeah, like, no. yeah. And then you like you end up hitting that steep curve where it's like. Okay, well, it's super, super cumbersome, and you're going to spend four hours in one combat, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, air sorcerer just, and it's done. Right. <laughs> it's like you, you hit that kind of, like, cutoff where where suddenly it's like one person gets one turn, and everything is dead. Right. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah, especially when you get to real high levels and people are taking multiple actions per turn. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it's just boring for everyone. Except right. that one person who gets their moment of glory and it's like, cool, that was 20 minutes where no one else got to participate in literally anything. Fun times. Loot the body. Move on. <laughs> right. Any Anything that doesn't work or hasn't worked that you've tried that you're like, no, this is not going to work. Well, hero. And that's <laughs> just because of how my brain works. Because my brain, if, if it says make up anything you want... I will. Right. And I'll make up all of the shit that works together, and then I'm going to do the things that I want to do too well, and it just doesn't It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, or I can just take the most basic things in that game, and then it's like, okay, well, I mean, I don't really do anything now. Um, but, like, finding a middle place just with how my brain works, because this is now a puzzle. I want to solve this puzzle. <laughs> And that's a it, you it, can really break. Your yeah, heart. well, really I did bre- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that one game, and that's what that right there is when I was like, "This hero is not for me." Right, and I tried a few more times, but making characters where it's like, "Hey, here's your points, but you can do all this fiddly stuff in here, anything you want." I've learned that I need like some choices that somebody gives me. I can't just make shit up myself because if I do, then. I'll, I'll end up really hyper-focusing on one thing and then probably miss out on a lot of the game. Right. And then when I am good at the thing, everybody else is like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go outside and have a cigarette. I'll, uh, I'll catch you when you're done. <laughs> the, 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 the earlier versions of Champions, the, the superhero version of Hero, <clears throat> I think we played second edition, much more... It's like there was there was maybe uh, maybe a dozen powers or so, mm-hmm. and it's like and and he didn't have enough points to like, and, and a lot of the stuff wasn't quite as complex yet. 
still had a, a bunch of stats and all that stuff. But I seem to recall back then that that game was more playable. At least it seemed that way. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's fondness of t- bygone eras. But it. Come on, nostalgia glasses are the best glasses. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, like the fifth edition hero book, I mean, you could kill somebody with that. Oh, yeah. I mean. I'd like to see a strong strong man try and rip that open. I, mean, that's <laughs> I, I have the, I have the sixth edition, and one of them fell off of a table, mm-hmm. and it ex- cracked. It's the floor. so heavy. No, it exploded the binding. It's it was so that's much. Not nearly as fun as no. my version. <laughs> it was, and I had to do a shit job putting it back together. But it, it, it they use really heavy paper. It's probably like twenty four pound, maybe even heavier than that. Beautifully printed book, but it, but it was like that thick. It's two books that you need for the the core rules of the game. One is that thick, and the other one is that thick. And so there's one two and a half inch book, and one two and three eighths inch book. It's, it's about total of about twelve hundred pages. Oh fuck no! <laughs> yeah, I think it, if a book's more than three fifty, I'm going to look at it sideways. You're like, mm, right? I don't know if you're. Uh, I mean, part of what made like. When Traveler got so bloated and all the splats and everything, and like I played a campaign of uh, not Traveler, I'm sorry, Pathfinder. I played a game of Pathfinder that we used anything was on the table, all the splats were on the table. So like, but we used the online database, and you could just search stuff, right? And it was at your fingertips in moments. And I was like, every system needs this. That's why I like PDFs. Mm-hmm. I can search yeah. a PDF. Like I am. I am honestly like over like actual held books when it comes to RPGs, um, just because I can have all of them with me whenever I want. But also, yeah, just being searchable, yeah, yeah. really changed the game. No, they're asking in the chat room about V five Vampire, um, and they're asking about the hunger. The Pope hunger. as fuck. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love I it. Like I mean, the fact that it's just such a uh, to me, it's. Easy and intuitive. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially the hunger mechanic. You, you don't have to worry about counting how much blood blood points you've used. You just it's like you make a roll. If you succeed on the roll, then you don't have to take a hunger die. And if you fail on it, you take a hunger die. You still do what you did. And there there's still a lot of like hidden structure in it where yeah. it tells you like what kind of thing is happening with the action that you took. Um like if it's like you, the failure or the like too good of a success, you monster. <laughs> um, and it's I I find it's easier to jump off of that because it's it's a little bit more. It's like a tweak of what you're doing right. as opposed to something else good happens. Right. <laughs> I yeah. see a butterfly and I am impressed. Well, see, that's I don't a, know. That's the thing because we've had a couple of other we've had messy a, I successes. think a couple of messy successes successes and one. Bestial failure, I want to say. Yeah, but I like the guidelines for it. It's like you uh, breach the masquerade, or I don't remember what the other ones are. There's like there's like three or four things. It's like here's 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 like when this when when this comes up on the hunger dice, here's. Whatever happens, it should be one of these three. And, and I think one of them is like take a, you have to take a stain, like you've gone against one of your tenants, right? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, or, and then there also you can lose a background, a, a dot of background or something. Yes, you can lose a dot of one of your advantages if it makes sense to yeah. the scene. The one of the things I like about how that works with uh, 
with Tremere is like with my spell casting. Oh, it's like because I have to make a rouse check for everything, mm-hmm. but my spell works whether or not I fail the rouse check. Right. It's the <clears throat> spell casting check and then the if it's an opposed roll, an opposed roll. So like there's still it's still just slightly clunky mm-hmm. on that end, but it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. And like also the uh Stu made it a little bit easier on me. There are a lot of like specific requirements in the book it's really about time requirements. It is. It is like they've <clears throat> added in a lot of time requirements for spells that like don't make a lot of sense. It's like if I wanted to make like normally and in the course of our game, like say for the Bloodstone, because I have a tracking right spell, but in the game it costs four days of time before you can even make your first roll to see if you made it. And then you, like, that's lost time if you didn't. Also, then it's only good for a week. <laughs> I'm totally cool with it being only good for a week, but, like, it takes four days to make. Well, that's probably them trying to slow down the Tremere because Tremere murdered everything uh, in all of the previous editions. Right. True. They were super <clears throat> OP, but at the same time, it's and like, there's there's that middle <clears throat> road. It's like, a, we're always talking about how Celerity got so nerfed. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's like very nerfed. Well, yeah, because in the edition, the uh, uh, White Wolf knew the new whatever, uh, World of Darkness. Celerity just murdered everything. Like <laughs> I, I gave them some... Va- I was like, oh, we have some vampires. Of course they have Celerity. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. Um, but the 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 thing the thing about about the that 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 sort of bestial failure or messy success that I like is it gives you just like some, a few guidelines. And then you can sit there, okay, what were you doing? Does one of these apply? Oh yeah, sure. You know, and then you can just sit and figure it out. And it's not like just you know pull something out of your ass, mm-hmm. which it's like don't, don't. It was a perception roll. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't make me do that. The, the best is when you fail a feeding roll, mm-hmm. or not fail, but uh, have the. Um, the hunger die. Come oh up. yes, yeah. It's it, it's exciting because everyone's got one almost all the time, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, are, did you, don't forget your hunger die. Stu's <laughs> <laughs> favorite thing to it say. Do you have your what? What was on your hunger die? Did you? Is that another ten? It's like nope, no, it wasn't. Sorry, I hate to I hate right. to disappoint you constantly. <laughs> um, there's one more I want to mention very briefly because I haven't played it enough, uh, but there is. Uh, um, the Shadowrun Anarchy system. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw that. No. Um, it's much more narrative. There's actually, like, you can have points you can spend to take over narrative control from the GM, uh, which is one thing I personally don't like, um, but I know a lot of people do. Um, that's one of the things that kind of, eh, on me. But also, like, your job in combat is apparently to build up edge points, which then you spend to destroy, like everything. So it's kind of like you spend a few rounds like trying to get these points up so that you can then spend them to have a huge dice bowl and wreck somebody. Sounds fady. Yeah, kind of. Um, You're trying to put a bunch of aspects on something so you can beat the crap out of it. Yeah, but instead of like aspects, it's just dice rolls that right. give you these these points of edge. Didn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, I need to uh, give it a few more shots, I think. But uh, uh, if any of you guys have played it, what was it called? Uh, it's Anarchy, the Shadowrun Anarchy system. Oh, okay. Because fifth and sixth edition are so crunchy now that there was a kind of pushback. Hey, let's try this one. Uh, it's it's very it's very hippie game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is that also like a, sort of an alternate product they've come out with, or is yeah. that 
Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, it's 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 for the hippie gamers. Got it. Um, but it's also one where like the mechanics of it just didn't jive with me. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Axel, for the for the, the thought provoking email. And mm-hmm. next we go on to. Uh, I didn't put the title. What, what was it? Oh, this was uh, MRCJ, Mr. CJ, about mm-hmm. music and inspiration. Who would like to read the music and inspiration one? I will. Okay. Sorry. Did you want? No, to? I said not it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, balanced bacteria, boys and girls. After listening to your not very good discussion of the death of Neil Peart, Peart, you say that? They're probably yelling at you right now. <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard most people. I've heard it pronounced Pert, but I've also heard other people pronounce it Peart. I don't know if that is that. I thought it had an I in it. I'll look it up. It well, Pert? for now, for now, it's Pert. Uh, the death of Neil Peart, I thought back to the role of music generally, and rush music, when I start the process of world building for a new game. For me, I start making notes by hand or in word. No, he spelled it right. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time, in the background is a soundtrack. It helps me maintain tone over time. Generally, I can't create the whole thing in one or two sittings, so it's a way to try to keep uh, keep in that headspace from start to finish. I have also taken elements of the music itself, or ideas around it, and put them in the games itself. Games themselves. Whatever. What follows is a brief, geeky, let-me-tell-you-about-my-character, but these aren't characters. I had two games that sprang from Rush's music. The song Red... I should not have taken this email. Red Barchetta? was instrumental in creating, it, in creating a game set in the near future where a dictatorship's motor law restricted internal combustion engines and players were exotic car-driving rebels. The song Early Distant Warning helped me with a post-apocalyptic mashup with Samuel 1 and 2 from the Bible. I ran a Messiah story set in post-nuclear Nebraska with the players taking the part of David and his brothers. Close to the Edge by Yes helped spawn a world that closely resembled a Roger Dean album cover, complete with variable gravity and not a world so much as a series of linked ideas with land bridges and routes and other ways to travel between. Now that sounds awesome. The instrumental side B of Wang Chung's Live and Die in L.A. soundtrack provided both the tone and background soundtrack during play for a superhero campaign. I stole images from Madonna's, I know, weird, Madonna, Bedtime Story official music video. The game was kind of a mashup between Madonna's video and Gene Wolfe's Sword of the Lictor. I'm trying to imagine how that would work. (laughs) Halfway through making the world, I switched over to David Sylvain's album Plight and Premonition, and also use that as a soundtrack during play. Anyway, enough of that. I don't have a warehouse on the East Coast where I keep extra ideas, so I get them where I can. It's interesting to me how anything can trigger them, then boom, and I have to keep up. Mr. CJ, P.S. Ugh. <laughs> Those are definitely all words. I don't... I'm trying to think if I've ever, like, had a music or a song inspire a session or a campaign, and I don't know if I have. I can't listen to music and write because I'm ADD as fuck, 
and I'll just listen to the music or I'll ignore the music and write. But I right. I usually have something going in the background, but it I'm much more likely to be inspired by like a novel or a short story or like something like that where I want to take all the really cool elements and ditch all the bullshit stuff. Um, make that into something else mm-hmm. than I am. Like, I actually, it's something like uh, I'm coming up on possibly doing a mini campaign and I finally found my inspo. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, and it came from a series of books that started off really, really great and quickly devolved into the fuck are you doing? Holy hell, how dare you? Oh, dear lord, I'm not finishing these. I'm looking up the, I'm looking up the ending on the Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, but, but like, I liked the basic premise with some significant changes. Mm-hmm. So I've got, like, all of that, and then it's trying to figure out what system it, it would work in and blah, blah, blah. But, like, um, but in terms of tone, that makes perfect sense to me, especially when it comes to movie, movie scores rather than soundtracks, because words interfere. But something like the Miramass soundtrack, or uh, score, uh... If you haven't seen that movie, oh god, please watch it. It's amazing. But the score is amazing, and it's got this like whole ethereal, otherworldly business going on. So I can, I can see that setting a tone for, for short stories that I've written, and then the, uh, the original soundtracks to Bastion and Transistor too. But those both, like, there's a very much a lack of words in all of those things. Because I can't have words competing with my words. Right. I, the only, <clears throat> like I said, no, no music. There was a novel I read. It was given to me as a gift by one of the Boggards years ago. Probably, God, probably 15, 20 years ago. Called The Drawing of the Dark. And it was sort of like... I remember almost nothing about this book. Except that there was a brewing vessel it was about it was about beer saving the world <laughs> and there was a brewing vessel that had been in this place for an extremely long time and buried underneath it was the bones of like king arthur or something and so the beer it made especially when you got near the very bottom of the of the mash tun or whatever kind of vessel this was imbued someone with some sort of powers and something happened and it was supernatural that involved drinking this beer. And I remember reading the book and enjoying it very much, but I don't remember anything about it because it was probably almost 20 years ago. <laughs> but I, I wrote a Boggard song called The Drawing of the Dark that was inspired by that. Reading the lyrics to that might sort of jog my memories to what happened in the book. <laughs> but I came up with a setting um, where, that was just sort of like very loosely inspired on this, where it's a post-apocalyptic setting where civilization basically collapsed and it came, came back to a sort of an agrarian economy. <clears throat> and the only people who had any power or influence were those very few people remaining who could brew beer and make other spirits. And, like, they were called Ale Kings. And I actually had a whole setting. Never ran it. I never ran it. But they, had, but they, they, they basically had possessed the secret knowledge on what you need to know to make to make beer, like one of like their like their holy relics would be like a thermometer, because no one has the thermometers anymore because they all broke. But because you have to have a thermometer if you're gonna if you're gonna ma- have the mash the right temperature to make good balance, you know. Because mm-hmm. I used to be homebrew, 
But um, that's about as close as it gets. But I honestly, I can't remember a goddamn thing about that book, except that there was someone buried underneath, and I think it might have been King Arthur or Merlin or something like that, underneath the mm-hmm. the the fermentation vessel. When when you think about it, it's kind of gross. Because <laughs> it wasn't like there's a metal thing and then he's underneath it. It's like mm-hmm. this thing is like on the dirt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you're actually getting ancient corpse juice i guess in it i don't know and oh. and yeah oh, no. and that's gross <laughs> yes it is it's extremely gross but apparently that's how you mm. get the power and necessary to somehow save the world i think hmm. by drinking the dead king arthur body juice cool. yeah yeah good to know uh, world could go fuck itself <laughs> yeah. World, oh, yeah, world. man i have got a pie um, mouth today <laughs> there's <laughs> my like i don't know like songs don't really do it sometimes i mean Books and stuff or shows will sometimes give me a hate, like a hey, um, like uh, I'm watching The Expanse right now mm. and uh, the Martians on the Martian surface. Like, hey, you know, it's like gravity is less there, so even if you're you'd have to be pretty heavy just to get like good purchase, but also you're still falling at a different rate. Um, so if you had people inside. Uh, like domes and stuff, it'd still be kind of like weird to get around. Um, like I went to space camp when I was like when I was a kid because I was a nerd, and we used the the lunar simulator. What it's like to walk on the moon, and it's fucking hard. Is it underwater? No, no, it's a this giant spring attached to the, the oh, ceiling, oh, okay. and it's, it makes you one sixth your weight, and so you try and take a step forward, and then you're four feet in the air. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, what if human bodies were like 600 pounds what if and then it goes to the like you could have these cool cybernetic bodies with uh muscles that are 3d printed onto it and then do a kind of cortical stack thing into the back of the head and this is how martians live um because otherwise you're just not suited for life even in the habitation things then turn into this whole cyberpunk bullshit of well who owns the bodies and are these bodies mass produced they're not doing one-offs so it's kind of like buying a car you know, but your car is your body. So you get like a, a Toyota Corolla. There are a whole bunch of other people who look just like you. Maybe they got different eye color on their version, or you know, maybe they decided to have like different texture hair. But so, what does personal mean? Are there aftermarket parts for bodies? Like, what do we do? One hundred percent, there are aftermarket parts for bodies. And the and so, um, then with the whole like control, like you'd have to have. Uh, system identification numbers for everybody because you need to be able to log how much of all the resources people are using because you're on fucking Mars. And then it goes to two industrial control and starts getting into this whole dystopian cyberpunk bullshit. And all of that starts with hey, it's kind of shitty to walk on Mars. <laughs> and that's so that's right. how my brain goes. And so, like, uh, songs are, are cool and can, like, definitely give a, a feeling to a game, uh, but I don't usually get inspiration from them. I've, I've written songs that were inspired by role-playing games. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think I've gone the other other way. Uh, it, there, uh, um, S. Britcher is asking if you are aware of Eclipse Phase. Because that sounds very... It does sound very familiar to Eclipse Phase. Oh, yes. I am That's familiar with Eclipse Phase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of which, have you seen... Um, what's it called? Uh, Altered Carbon? You know what? I rage quit after six uh, episodes because the GM was letting the players do 
dumb shit and not actually punishing them for it. And I just couldn't do it. It's like, fuck this show. This is dumb. I can't. I love these characters. I love the setting. But the story that's happening right here is just fucking stupid. And I just, I just bailed. Maybe it gets better later on, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It took me three times to, to, to finish the first season, and I only finished it because the second season came out. So mm-hmm. I watched the second season. Now, it the, was, I enjoyed it. The role-playing game that's coming out, um, uh, two of my friends are in it as models. So oh, they're making an Altered Carbon RPG? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Cool. I think the Kickstarter just ended. Oh, cool. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I think, yeah. Thank you, Mr. CJ or MRCJ. And I'm sure you've corrected us on how that is to be pronounced. I'm sorry. From Davio, a horror story. Uh, A tale of two douches. A GM and a player horror story. Uh, Or a GM and player horror story. This was... It was the best of douche. It was the worst of douche. It was the douche of our discontent. (laughs) That is... <laughs> Congratulations, Davio. You win. You win right now. This is a story of two people who never should have gamed together. Each brought out the exact worst behavior in the other, and the games often turned into pissing matches. One, the GM, who we shall call Jay, and the other was the player, me. Much to my shame. Oh, so this I is actually a confession. Too. Yeah, I know. I was totally expecting a my friend D. <laughs> <laughs> we were in a cycle. He would invite me to play in his games, and contrary to my better judgment, I would play in them. He would try to kill my characters, and I would try to weasel out of it and destroy his game on the way out. Wow. <laughs> Damn. I have much shame for these days. But I kept going under the fallacy, bad gaming is better than none. So this rendition was Champions. Speaking of. Mm-hmm. We had our characters, some of them squeezing the rules to the point of pain and suffering, but sounds legal. Familiar. <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it was myself, one of the usual suspects, and a 14-year-old kid who joined. You've scarred that child for life. Uh, <laughs> just, just straight up. Uh, game was going pretty by the number for Jay's game until we got to the end fight. An attack went off, and I aborted to desolidify, and it went right through me, hitting the 14-year-old PCs by mistake. (laughs) The attack was holy hell, it was cheesy. Like summoning Gouda from the elemental plane of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I was born to read this email. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jay showed the math and crowed that it was legal. Though almost killed the 14-year-old's character in a shot. The kid looked traumatized, like this wasn't what he had signed up for. Jay made the comment, If you're going to cry, leave so you don't disrupt the game. Fuck Jesus Jay. Christ! Whoa. Fuck Jay and the horse he rode in on. <laughs> oh my god. I felt the red-hot rage of, That's not right, roar through me. I had tried to play nice... To give the kid a good gaming experience. But no. Jay had the throw down. <laughs> Alright. It's on. Oh, no. Pulling all the stops, I killed one of the villains. Then I beat down to a, two of the other villains brutally. One of whom uh, was dying got a 911 call out. When the ambulance showed up, I picked it up. Okay, hold on a second. 
They're playing champions, so they're superheroes. So the bad guys are calling nine one one, or are they playing villainous? It, he it sounds say. like what. The, it was like a last ditch. Like the dude was dying and just trying to save his life, so he's oh, calling okay. for help. Okay. If yeah. I if I had to guess, which I do, <laughs> since we're all reading the same email, right? I'm gonna say, "Holy shit! Please don't let me die." Would be the impetus there. Okay. Also, quite likely the GM trying to save a villain in order to continue his game. It could yeah, be too, makes sense. right? So he goes, "I ah, just calls nine one one." I mean, sometimes many villains are on the side of the establishment. That's true. Yes, Mr. Luther, we meet again. Uh, when the ambulance showed up. When the ambulance showed up, I picked it up, shook the paramedics out, and then drop-kicked it over the nearby lake. Okay, I'm now saying that the PCs were the villains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this this qualifies now. Like, you've crossed that line into yeah. into dark territory. Yeah. I then took the stunned villain, who had thrown the initial attack, interdimensionally teleported into another realm, and left him there. He took Zod to the Shadow Realm. Right, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was the last time I played in Jay's game. Strangely, he did invite me back a few weeks later, but I had had enough. Mm-hmm. It was enough when he was getting for me, but the kid caught in the crossfire didn't deserve that crack. crap. <clears throat> Moral of the story, play with people you like, and don't get in pissy matches with. Also, rules are guidelines... And you should play nice with each other for a fun story. Debut. Wow. If you're going to I cry... I feel bad for the 14 I feel really bad for that kid. Like, this is years ago, and people I don't know, like, several times removed, and I'm still like, go fuck yourself, Jay. Like, I don't care <laughs> if you got better. Like, that kid was... You know. No. We don't even know if he got better because the guy stopped playing with him. So we don't know. I mean, he might still be yelling, like yelling at almost crying fourteen-year-olds. Like, <laughs> dude, dude, and dude, it is. It's like, ugh, ugh. These are tables where, like, you know that another horror story has been written in about like that time he had a girl at the table. Probably. <laughs> like G U R O. That's probably true. I don't. I, mm, mm. You know, hey, hey. You Sorry. Know, you have the kids playing at your role playing game table. You got to show them a good time because they're they're the next generation of gamers, and you just probably pushed one out of the hobby. Well, and also, like, I remember me at 14, I was even, I was so much more socially awkward than I am now, and I'm really socially awkward now. (laughs) And so, like, I was with a bunch of people older than me that I probably look up to at least a little bit, and then say something like that to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm not going to do any of this ever again. Hopefully, I'll never see any of you ever again, because... I mean, definitely that. I'm I'm, I'm 100% with you on the... Oh, this has happened. Now I shall make sure to pretend that you never exist and that we never cross paths again in my entire life. Yes. Ooh, kind of like how I treat all my ex-relationships. <laughs> I once did tell Tappy, I don't cry in front of me because it makes me uncomfortable. I was so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very upset that I was too drunk to play a show. 
<laughs> that's a completely different situation. You were I was also almost 14 then, too. So long no, ago. you were over 21. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. Right, yeah. yeah. Definitely the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well have been 14. I have a... This is so funny. Um, this is a secondhand story, but... Uh, but an ex of mine used to play in a D and D game like with a group of his friends. And they would play like every two weeks, Mondays, whatever. He came back, his character got killed in the game. Whatever shit happens. Right. So he made up a new character and he went back to the game. And it got killed before he met the party somehow. And then and then his next character died the next session. Whoa! Is this nice character like, bowl of petunias? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not <exactly>. again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think the next one after that survived, but he like he would just come home so pissed off. Like the one that died before he met the party was because like his character was on a ship and the party was supposed to meet up with the ship, and then something happened, and then something else happened, and like some roles were missed. <laughs> mistakes were made. That's mistakes a, were made, that's and a his GM character. Failure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's totally a GM. Like failure. in your early twenties, kind of right GMing life, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure failures happen, but like, I'm sure, I did a lot of stupid shit. But the, uh, but I just remember being like, wow, that that really sucks. <laughs> like, I would have to go somewhere else to laugh because <laughs> he would get real bad. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, but it was so like to hear him describe the whole because I would get like these like twenty to thirty minute stories about it. <laughs> it's like in real time. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just. Oh. Yeah. But yes, play with people that you like and make sure that the people that you like like you back. Even more important. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Davio, for the horror story. Uh, is that it? Are we good? I think so. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, I will close this out. Where's my thing? Bye. Oh no, I, I'm, I'm gonna play the old one. Thank you for joining us for season twenty-six, episode eight of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Pooja. And I'm Tappy. And we'll see you next week at 7 p.m. at specific time for another episode and I, there's a game on Sunday. What's the game on Sunday? Vampire? Uh, no, didn't we just do Vampire? We I think it's Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Call Cthulhu. Uh, Murmurs at the Abyss on Sunday. I don't think there's a Saturday game. Thank you very much. We'll leave this song.
preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum. Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make? <laughs>